Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast, your go-to resource for all things real estate and all things St. Pete. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast. My guest today is Alex Jansen, broker and owner of Coastal Properties Group, Christie's International Real Estate. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Uh, before we get started, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and Coastal Properties Group? Sure, I'd be happy to. So, um, always had a passion for, for real estate ever since I was a young kid, so never got to take that path to start. I was in financial services and worked um, in Philadelphia and Manhattan and Florida. Um, and it took the last downturn for, um, for me to leave that, the financial services industry and sort of pursue my passion in real estate. Um, so my wife, Lauren, had already been licensed and worked for a developer for several years and uh, decided to get in in 2009, sort of at the uh, meltdown of the financial markets and uh, kind of never looked back. Awesome. And we have to, I have to brag a little bit on the company. Last year was a record year um, with Coastal Properties Group closing more than a billion in transactions in a single calendar year. Um, what did that mean for you personally? Well, certainly exciting, right? I mean, it was a goal that we've been striving for for some time. Um, you know, our numbers pretty much doubled uh, year after year up until about three years ago, and then it became more difficult, but we were seeing 40 to 50% increases. Um, but, you know, it uh, was a testament to our agents, and, you know, uh, we hire exclusively seasoned agents, and, um, that's worked quite well, and it's kudos to all their hard work that we finally hit the number. Outstanding. And lastly, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the um, office in Aspen. So in addition to um, having wide coverage in Pinellas County and and a new office in Hillsborough County and Tampa, uh, we have also opened an office in Aspen. Yeah. that. kind of goes back to another passion of mine, which um, loved the mountains and, you know, learned to ski in, in the Aspen area, did a lot of vacationing out there as a kid, and, um, you know, was always intrigued with that market. It's one of the top luxury markets in the world, um, more billionaires per capita that have a, a home there. There's only uh, 7,000 residents and 52 billionaires that have homes. So it was just always um, kind of an interesting market to me. And when the opportunity opened up with Christie's, we, um, we jumped on it. Outstanding. Well, I thank you again for taking time. I know it's a, it's a busy time for you. But I wanted to take a few minutes to talk about uh, brokerage relationships because I think most customers don't understand how representation works and with that varying from state to state, I believe um, you know people who are moving from outside of the area may be making assumptions about the relationship with, 
that they have with their real estate agent here in Florida that may not hold true. Um, for instance, in California, dual agency is legal, but here in Florida, it's illegal. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, the three different brokerage relationships a customer can have with their agent here in Florida and maybe educate listeners to know what questions to ask when they're interviewing uh, their real estate agent. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the, the three brokerage relationships? Sure, happy to. Um, I guess I'll start with what you'd stated before, which we don't do in the state of Florida, which is dual agency. Um, you know, in Florida, it's not possible to represent the buyer and the seller simultaneously uh, in that you can't represent the interest of both. So in Florida, um, the way it works is you're assumed to be a transaction broker, which is kind of like dual agency, except you don't represent either the buyer or the seller. Um, in essence, you represent the transaction. Um, so you can't favor a buyer or a seller. Um, so even if you've had the listing for six months and now you get a buyer that calls off Zillow or some other website, um, you're no longer representing the seller at this point. You're representing the transaction. Um, that's actually how many Florida real estate firms operate across all clients. Um, and we have taken a different approach. So another method is called single agency where you would represent one party only. So that would be um, if it's your listing and another agent brings a buyer, we would represent our seller as a single agent so that we can represent them and them only. Um, so it gets a little bit confusing because other firms, larger firms that are sort of national brands uh, decide to be transaction broker. Um, and one of the issues with that is um, you, you truly can't represent your seller at that point. Um, and it's an important distinction to know that, you know, if you're being represented by someone as a buyer or a seller, if you can help it, you want to make sure that your agent is representing you as a single agent. So they're actually representing you as opposed to the transaction. Um, it's, um, like I said, it can get a little bit confusing, um, but it's an important question to ask when hiring an agent, right? Um, because when it comes to, uh, to transaction brokerage, um, you know, again, the agent just can't give you any advice per se, which, which can be a little bit concerning since that's a lot of an agent's job, right? Is to provide advice if they legally can. Now there are situations where we have no choice but to be a transaction broker. And that's if you happen to have the buyer and the seller. So legally in the state of Florida, um, you have to become a transaction broker and that's called transitioning from single agent to transaction broker. Um, and unfortunately that's just a legal qualification. Um, and in this world, you know, let's say that one third of properties are where is where the agent 
has both sides of the transaction. So the buyer and the seller, those would be transaction broker and the other two thirds should be single agent. But again, most companies are operating as a transaction broker through and through. Right. And agent in this example means the brokerage, not necessarily the agent or advisor that they're working with. But if both advisors are from Coastal, then they would each have to be transaction brokers because of the brokerage relationship for both parties. That's right. In Florida, it's always assumed that the broker of the agency is technically who is um, doing the transaction, even though we all know that's not the case, right? At Coastal, we have about 300 agents, and there'd be no way possible for, for me to do every transaction in the company. However, um, because of that, uh, assumption um, it's uh, the reason why if one coastal agent brings a buyer to another coastal agents listing um, the reason they would need to be transaction broker is because that would be the equivalent of one person that being me representing the buyer and the seller which again we just can't do right and there are four duties that really differentiate single agency from transaction broker and those are loyalty confidentiality obedience and full disclosure those don't carry over to duties of a transaction broker that's right however with transaction brokerage right you still have to deal honestly and fairly with the public and Correct. account for funds and use care skill care and diligence in the transaction so present all offers and Okay. disclose any facts that are materially known but the that's right the loyalty and the confidentiality and the obedience are, are things um closure are things that um you're not protected by under transaction brokerage as a client right and then lastly there is no brokerage relationship what circumstance um would you find yourself utilizing that relationship in a transaction uh, there's really two places. So at times we'll have clients that um, don't want us to be transaction brokers. Um, so if you take a listing and they say, listen, if you bring a buyer, I don't want you to be a transaction broker. So in that case, you could remain single agent to your seller, but you would have to <clears throat> have a um, no brokerage relationship signed by the buyer and they would have no representation, that being the buyer. Um, and then you would just um, represent your seller. Now, the issue with that is most buyers would say, well, I don't want that. I don't want to be not represented um, at all. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times what would happen in that case, which this doesn't occur very frequently, but um, the buyer would go get their own agent you know, to represent the party, right, mm -hmm. themselves um, from a different firm um so that's that's an option but again this is a very rare occurrence where a seller is sort of adamant to um to do that because it actually can blow up transactions right where um the buyer might just say you know what i just don't even want to mess with this house because of the way this is going so to speak and they might just have a bad taste in their mouth right. so um you know, it's it's all on a case by case basis, of course, and we'll do whatever the buyer or the seller would like. Mm -hmm. um, but the second instance of um, no brokerage is if um, if um, 
you were to buy um, or want to pursue a for sale by owner property and you're represented by an agent, um, the agent would typically um, have the for sale by owner sign a no brokerage relationship because we have no interest in representing a seller who, um, you know, is, is clearly wanting to make their own decisions. Um, so we would be a single agent to the buyer and then have the for sale by owner sign a no brokerage because again, we don't plan on giving that for sale by owner any advice. We want to advise our buyer on how to best purchase the property. Right. And, and you alluded to, you know, the majority of agents in Florida here operate primarily as transaction brokers. And why, why was it important to you for Coastal to operate or defer to single agency? Well, my feeling is if, if we can represent a client, we should do that. We shouldn't sort of pass the buck and just kind of leave it out there haphazardly. Any chance we get to represent the customer, we're going to do that. Um, you know, other firms do it for simplicity reasons. It's just easier to just be transaction broker all the time. Then you don't have to train your agents on it. But the reality is the right thing to do is to represent the client that you initially have contact with as long as you legally can. Um, like I said, if we happen to get a buyer and a seller through one agent or two agents at Coastal, then the reality is legally we have to transition to transaction broker. But otherwise, I don't know why any seller or buyer wouldn't want to be represented as a single agent um, when they're out in the marketplace because you want that realtor who um, is working for you to truly be advocating for you and not the transaction. Right. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, we are about a month or five weeks into um, a, a new world post-coronavirus. Um, can we end by talking just a little bit about you know, what's transpired here in the Florida market, how coronavirus has impacted things to date, and what you envision once these restrictions are lifted? Well, I wish I had a crystal ball, but I can kind of give you some <laughs> insights as far as um, you know what's happened so far, of course. Um, our rate of cancellations has been quite a bit lower than I would have expected um, as far as contracts currently under contract. Um, you know, and we still have, you know, a reasonable amount of contracts and people buying uh, in the current environment. I will say the volume is pretty significantly, but there's still, you know, a healthy number of people out there that are looking and putting contracts together and, and closing. Um, you know, it's again, anyone's guess when things will reopen, but, um, you know, real estate is an essential service in Florida. So, um, if people want to purchase homes, look at them, et cetera, as long as they're following the CDC guidelines, they can do so. Um, of course, a lot of agents have also gone toward virtual showings, which is another way to, uh, look at property and, um, you know, there can always be the contingency in the contract that, you know, part of the inspection process is you, you know, coming and looking at the contract. So the Florida as is contract already provides for that, that it's in the buyer's sole discretion, right? Um, if they want to proceed during their inspection period or as the, their inspection period comes to an end, they have the right to cancel and, 
get a full refund of their deposit. So um, virtual showings have been working actually quite well. And then, um, you know, the buyer will come inspect the property at inspection um, just to make sure that it's everything that was represented through a virtual showing of video. Right. Outstanding. Well, thank you again so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Outlined in the show notes, you will find the duties of each of the three brokerage relationships discussed in today's podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you can listen to future episodes. And if you have a show topic that you'd like to share with me, or have a real estate related question that you'd like to ask, I'd love to hear it. You can call or text me at 719-201-5022, or you can reach me via email at nicole at sellingstpetefl.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-E at S-E-L-L I-N-G-S-T-P-E-T-E-F-L dot com.